Hello there, this is Fiona, host and main GM for What Am I Rolling, a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. This is a bonus Q&A episode to tide us over to the next one-shot, and it is indeed a very special Q&A, as this week I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Nick Monroe-Turner, a freelance outdoor activity instructor, a journalist, and the game designer behind the upcoming tabletop RPGs Lost in the Jungle and Rogue Octopus Escapes. Nick is a fab part of the UK tabletop RPG community, having reviewed a ton of actual plays and conventions on the gaming website Keen Gamer. I was lucky enough to chat to Nick about my own RPG experiences and involvement in stuff like MCM London and Dragon Meat last year. And now I get to return the favour by chatting to him all about his playtesting and how he came up with his own games. At the time of this episode's release, I just want to point out that Nick will be running a game of Rogue Octopus Escapes later on this week on the Science and Sorcery Twitch channel. It's all going to kick off on Friday the 8th of March at 7pm GMT, so you can check out this game in action. I'll put a link to that, to Nick's personal website, his itch page, and the Rogue Octopus Gaming Lab Discord on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. Could you let the listeners know who you are and what do you do? So my name is uh, Nick Munro-Turner, pronouns he, him, and I am a freelance outdoor activity instructor, games journalist, and TTRPG designer. So, Nick, how did you get into role-playing games? Were you a player? Were you suddenly like forever DM? Like, what was the game that started it all for you? Oh, I think like a lot of people, it started with Dungeons and Dragons. It was something I was aware of for for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it got very popular in kind of shows like uh, Stranger Things and Community. And it was something I've wanted to give a go for a while, but it always seemed quite intimidating. There were kind of lots of rules, lots of things I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a colleague at work who introduced me properly. And it was funny. It kind of felt very much like this sort of underground thing. We were kind of sweeping up at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, he sort of sidled up to me, looked both ways and said, uh, so Nick, I hear you. I hear into gaming. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then he introduced me to the world of Dungeons and Dragons and yeah, just haven't looked back since then. That sounds like it was quite recent then, because most people would say like, oh, they started when they were kids or anything like that. So mm. it sounds like it's more, more recent. Yeah, I wish I'd started as as a kid, just, just thinking about all the more stuff I could have learned by now. Mm-hmm. It was 2017 uh, when Gosh. I started. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a similar time myself as well. I think it's one of those things like I really enjoyed like theatre. I loved reading. And then I saw, I remember distinctly like seeing someone at primary school and they were playing Warhammer in breaks. But that, that's where obviously they're using lots of D6s. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. And I realised now that, you know, if I even stuck around to be a little bit, maybe I'd be interested in Warhammer. Maybe I'd be more interested in doing these RPGs in general. And so, yeah, I feel like I've missed out a little bit. But at the same time, a lot of people, it sounds like when they do that, sort of like I started and then I stopped for ages and now I'll come back. So now I feel like, well, I've, I've never gone away from when I started, you know. Is high fantasy your sort of main like genre? Is that the one you quite like doing? Or is there other genres that you like sort of dipping your toes into? Uh, I'd say probably sci-fi is my favourite. I remember thinking at the time, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could do Dungeons and Dragons, but it's simpler and it's in sci-fi. And then I discovered Lazy and Feelings, which is, I think, the most intuitive game I've ever played. And that really encourages sort of hardcore sci-fi and just kind of creating stuff on the fly Mm -hmm. and you know once you kind of start going down the rabbit hole you discover that there's so much variety so many different games you can try out do you regularly play right now do you run stuff or is it just more like 
when you can fit it around your schedule. Yeah, I'd describe myself as a forever GM. I found it <laughs> a lot more a lot more satisfying to mm. to be the person putting the stories together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly where my kind of outdoor activity background comes in because in that I'm basically providing activities for people. I'm designing an experience for them, mm-hmm. which is very satisfying. And that satisfaction is something I feel uh, creating games and creating stories for for people. Mm-hmm. for other players so that's actually interesting I hadn't made that connection I'm always going on about like yeah everyone should do a role playing game because it has transferable skills but that's so true if you're organising events and activities for people in real life it makes sense that you would be like this is my design <laughs> this is where I can run for people that's really cool you talked about then about you know D&D what if it was simpler and this so I'm guessing that was sort of a little bit of a transition to how you started to design your own games. When you're looking at making a game, what's sort of your philosophy behind it? Well, I guess the core thing I keep in mind is, is this game going to be accessible and easy to get into? Mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons is incredible, and I'm really glad that I I was kind of introduced to that world and I've got to get to grips with it. But yeah, it was, it was quite difficult at the start. Mm-hmm. With the games I design, I kind of want it to be the sort of thing you can kind of have a read and within sort of 10, 20 minutes, get a kind of rough idea about how to mm-hmm. how to play it. In a kind of, I guess, professional way, I've been designing games for about a year or two, but mm-hmm. I started kind of quite a long time ago, so designing them just, just as a hobby, really. Mm-hmm. I was a big video gamer, and one of my favourite games was Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. found it upsetting, uh, to put it mildly, when in 2015 when... Kojima and, and Konami parted ways. So that basically meant that there was unlikely to be any good Metal Gear Solids in the future. So I decided to I decided to design my own because I just wanted to see it that oh, badly. Cool. Your own role playing game for it? You say or a video game? Basically, a script for a video game, but it it oh, included cool. kind of multiple decision making. So the the stuff that I kind of wish would have been in Metal Gear Solid. Oh wow. Oh, that's so cool. Like, so yeah, just like making decisions and decision trees and all that sort of thing. That's that, yeah. that's interesting because that, that feels more interactive than, say, fan fiction, mm. which is a very valid art form in itself. So I really like that, that you sort of, you were like, oh, I want to do this, but also I'm going to make it sort of a little bit more interactive on that sort of sense. What do you find is the biggest challenge when you're sort of designing your own games, would you say? Finding the time is definitely the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that decision between kind of what's going to bring the bread in this month and what is going to be kind of creatively satisfying to you and what will hopefully bring the bread in a few mm-hmm. months down the line. When you're at the, I, I call it the honeymoon phase of creating, when you kind of got your concept and you're just starting to put it together, mm-hmm. that is a very, I find that's a naturally motivating time. You just, the words kind of flow onto the page as you start thinking about the mechanics, about the law you can create around the game. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it kind of starts getting into the into the nitty gritty, into the kind of, okay, does this actually make sense? Will someone else be able to read this and, <laughs> and understand it the way I do? Mm-hmm. And of course, all the editing and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you're into that phase, it does... Drag a little bit. Um, yeah, that's a that's an unpleasant word, but it's it's probably quite accurate. We've all been there where we've got it. We it has to be done. You have to yeah. do it, but it is painful. I guess is the is the mm. thing, right? Yeah, I, I definitely see that. For me, uh, again, this is just because from my experience of running games. Only recently have I been sort of really interested in like the lore of a game because sometimes I, I for me when I'm picking games to run and what's my rolling I'm like oh this is a really cool mechanic I we tell this kinds of story great 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 and if there's a setting I'll read through it and I'm like oh that's really interesting but it won't necessarily grab me but it sounds like for you when you're just because you talked about that Metal Gear Solid and that's sort of how you sort of transition to like writing the stuff and then you know coming up with your own games I'm guessing the lore part of it is equal to if not more important than coming up with a game mechanic or two it's a kind of interesting 
dynamic kind of doing that with games because especially if it's a game that someone else will be leading because mm. what I really want is to give them the tools to create their own story kind of around this this mythos mm-hmm. so it's about kind of giving them giving them tools to do that but not making it so prescribed where like oh where they just go okay I guess this is the story and I have to follow that let's talk about some of the games that you've designed so what was the first one that you designed or sort of that you got into last year and you've sort of worked solidly on right well I've got two on the go at, at the moment uh mm-hmm. so I started with a game called Lost in the Jungle which has been an idea that's been rattling around my head for a few years and kind of yeah fairly recently gave, gave myself permission to develop that <laughs> well as the name suggests it's about sort of exploring this kind of wild vibrant area kind of getting trapped and getting in a way kind of consumed by nature and by kind of mysticism that kind of idea of you know humans being dwarfed by something bigger than themselves is very appealing to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh yes the other game that i've got on at the moment which is closer to to being finished i kind of decided lost in the jungle was very big i want to give myself something more achievable right. rogue octopus escapes and that's the one that i'm kind of currently flagging up on on social media mm. and trying to get attention for this is how we sort of got talking about it is that because you're looking to do play tests of uh, rogue octopus so what is rogue octopus how does it stand out to other rpgs so Rogue Octopus Escapes is a quick, comedic, kind of cartoony game. It's designed to be very improvisational heavy. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, accessibility is a big thing. I want it to be the sort of thing where people can read it in about 10, 20 minutes and have an idea. So basically, when you're a player on, on Rogue Octopus, all you need to do is design an octopus, eight limbs, personality, rough backstory, kind of what they look like, and a set of skills. Mm-hmm. You then have to escape a facility that is designed by the games master. And I give them all sorts of tools for kind of creating that facility and that kind of scenario they're escaping from. Mm-hmm. And then the octopus characters will kind of roll to do certain things. They'll have skills like kind of like hugging, uh, like manipulating objects, using ink. It's pretty much open-ended to be creative, to do what whatever you think you need to do to escape that situation. Mm-hmm. And you roll a D8. The D8 will tell you how many tentacles you've got engaged in that activity. Oh, cool. And it will be between you and the GM to... Um, yeah, figure out what exactly happens. Oh, nice. That's so cool. I love how you've used a D8 because that is so unusual mm-hmm. as the main dice mechanic. I'm always interested in mechanics that use the different dice rather than the D6 or the D20. So that's really fun. But it also, uh, again, probably intentionally, it feels very family friendly because a lot of times when I speak to people, they're obviously designing games either for themselves or people like them and not necessarily thinking about other audiences. But instantly I'm like, oh, this is exactly something I could play with uh, my nieces or my nephews and get them in on that front. Yeah, it feels very, like you said, cartoony. Uh, I honestly think of um, Octodad, the video game. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yes, absolutely. Oh, so that's really, really fun. That was definitely the game. I wanted to make it sort of every person's game. I mean, you if you want to use it to play a dark, grueling sci-fi of kind of like alien octopods escaping oppression, you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of designed to be kind of for everyone. There's definitely elements I can see of like, like maybe Honey Heist and all similar things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just, I just think that's such a cool little concept as well. And instantly, again, thinking of like, just because... Octodad is now on my brain. The mm-hmm. idea that only one person is an octopus and everyone else is human or something like that. And then you have to work out who the octopus is or something mm-hmm. like that. It could be quite fun. So I said lots of little yeah. ideas there. Mm-hmm. So now you're going on to the playtesting phase. What is it that you, you as a game designer are looking for specifically? Broadly, it's to make sure that the game plays in the way that I, I've imagined and that, that basically other people can pick it up and kind of understand this, this nonsense that's come out of my brain. <laughs> And sometimes it's kind of it's kind of simple things like the other day I had a had a play test where a character player got picked up and they wanted to bite the hand that picked them up. And I was like, oh no, I don't have a, I don't have a mechanic for that. Mm. And just yeah, just kind of 
players are going to come up with all sorts of things and that's very much encouraged in this game yeah but you want to make sure that the game is designed in order to kind of facilitate all those all those ideas especially if you, if you say it's quite improv heavy yeah the players yeah. will be like oh well if you say that yeah doors open where did the idea for rogue octopus escapes comes from then like I've, was it something similar to like octodad or was it you're just like i like octopuses i'm gonna i'm gonna do this like because you were talking before about lost in the jungle was something that was rustling around for a little while mm. and that obviously that's on the back burner just now but something like this was it like i'm just very curious where did you get the inspiration from oh let's see well octopuses have always kind of captured my imagination and i think that was from sort of young age sort of you know cartoons octopuses were always kind of portrayed as sort of fun characters they could be be kind of perilous villains they can also be sort of mm. fun loving allies and yeah i think as i got older i kind of looked a bit more into the the kind of science of octopuses and i think they're just fascinating creatures the the mm. level of intelligence that they have it's a mixture of kind of that level of that level of intelligence their strong personalities and the fact that they're just so different from us it's kind of like if evolution yeah. had taken a slightly different turn would we be living in a world of hyper-intelligent octopuses. Mm. I guess it's really nice to see, like, being able to play non-human characters in games. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, with, with D&D, obviously you can be, like, you know, tieflings or, or uh, tabaxi or anything like that. But he, I think there's always something interesting about playing animals. Like, we've got, like, mm. uh, Grant Howard, obviously, like, The Witch is Dead, you're playing an animal familiar, mutual friends of ours, uh, the Backwater Bastards. Their show is too creatures you know a bear and a jellyfish and their adventures they're not humans and i think there's just it's interesting because i feel like this is coming from an improv sort of perspective when you tell people to, to play animals people get very very excited as if like we've freed them from some sort of like oh i don't have to be human anymore and i can hmm. i can explore this and it's just some, it's so nice to be able to explore that different point of view and you're absolutely right in that sense of like those octopuses are incredibly scary they're very very smart and i would say as well they've had almost like a resurgence recently because of like Baldur's Gate we've got obviously mind fires very dark overlords which will you know mm. they will definitely take us all over at some point I just think it's really interesting because I don't know any other game like role-playing game that features octopuses so have like or an animal creature that's not you know like honey heist or anything like that but this is like yeah I just I was just I was really curious about that so that's really cool mm. I mean the actual kind of spark for creating the game was simply just being in a chat I'd chosen rogue octopus as my kind of twitch handle uh, partly because of my interest in octopus, but partly in Metal Gear Solid, you can create code names for yourself. Oh, cool. And octopus is what you get given for doing things non-lethally, which is generally my play style. Oh. Yeah, basically someone commented on my gamer tag and said, Rogue Octopus, that sounds like that could be a really good game character. And wow. it just spiraled from there, the idea of this kind of octopus escaping some sort of facility. And it's like, well, there's, there's something here. Yeah, even the littlest bit of prompt. You don't have to go, you don't have to do like, go out on big long walks on on the moors and be like inspired <laughs> by that. It could literally be a comment going, wait, and just go from that. Because uh, it's so true, because I think people... You know, they'll go like, I don't have any ideas for anything. And like, yeah, you can make a game based on someone commenting on like, that sounds really good. And you're like, oh, it does. <laughs> so that's the playtest you're currently working on. I was interested in going back to Lost in the Jungle then. You say bigger in that sense of like, it's something that you're working on in the background a little bit. Is that because that's more of a, a setting that you're sort of working into? Or is it you just need to do some more research? Lost in the Jungle started as kind of something that I was hoping to be kind of simple the the, the base <laughs> idea was <laughs> always the way unfortunately yeah yeah and the base idea was that you kind of there's something in the jungle that you're trying to get some sort of relic or mm -hmm. you're trying to save like a lost expedition so the idea is you kind of go through various stages and you get to the center of the jungle find the thing and then you've got to find your way back out again mm -hmm. i mean this is why playtesting is so important when i first playtested that i found it was just 
so much bigger and complex than I realised. Mm. We had a two-hour session, and I think we managed to get about halfway through oh, really? the jungle. So, And this was just going in. They then needed to get the thing and then come back out again. Mm. So that was kind of when I realised, okay, there's, there's actually a lot going on here. Mm. I'm going to need to put a lot more time and attention into this to kind of yeah, make this right. And like I said, simple things come up that I wouldn't have thought about. So people were asking about storage mechanics and inventory and so what particular items do and if there's leveling up. And they weren't things I was planning originally, but I was, yeah, that playtest experience made me think, actually, these things could work well into this. And it seems like this could be a more kind of multiple session game rather than the one shot. It makes me think of the, just the way you're describing it, like it is the same team that goes out and finds artifacts or the MacGuffin, really, because it's more yeah. about the journey in and out, right? That's what it sounds like. And I know there's like Best Left Buried by the Soul Muppet Publishing, which is it's almost like a West March type game that you can, you have your characters and they've got to go down into a deep dungeon crawl, but it's just, you don't, you know, they're very likely to die or they're very likely to, it's a bit more morbid than it sounds like than your sort of Indiana Jones kind of inspired <laughs> RPG, I will say. You play the individual characters, but it's not so much, you know, you kind of have a bit of role play and that's all right. But actually it's about trying to get the things, come back, management resources, inventory, and then next session, oh, so-and-so can't be here. Okay, there's a new band of adventurers that go down into the thing. So that's what it sounds like uh, for me. So, yeah, it's not a one-off, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of games in the last year or so either they've been sort of like streamlined to be online performances so like we've got you know like uh, Candela Obscura which has like gothic sort of Victoriana sort of feel to it but then they're only doing like limited series and then it's different investigators each time or going like here is a one-off evening rather than having like here is a whole setting that you could play for years and years and years so I think being able to tailor a game to cover whether it's one shot or whether it's several evenings worth or a long campaign it's quite a feat actually and so I, I appreciate like yeah with playtesting those elements to it, you're like oh I'd never even thought about inventory like I'm someone who goes you're fine <laughs> like don't worry don't worry about too many uh, ropes that you have etc so this is probably something that a lot of people can associate with but sometimes another barrier to things like Dungeons and Dragons it's the kind of the commitment you make to doing multiple sessions and sort of epic campaigns. Mm. I'm in one at the moment and I'm I'm loving it, but it's it's getting increasingly difficult to kind of get everyone together at the same time. Mm. And yeah, I think having one shots or short seasons are a nice kind of antidote to that. It's nice to kind of just kind of go, okay, this is going to be a session or two sessions. If you want to continue, great. If not, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. I found with Lost in the Jungle, what would have helped is a kind of toolkit at the start where you kind of ask players, okay, so are you after a kind of epic long campaign? Are you after a, a mm. short snappy campaign? In which case we'll make it kind of easier to get into the jungle and then get out again. Having those kind of tools at the start is you know, really good for the GM, but also just really good for the player so they know what exactly they're getting themselves in for. Setting expectations is what I sort of call it, that sort of like, and also, yeah, because it's more of a feedback thing. I mean, I'm sure you've heard conversations about like, oh, safety tools, are they really safe? And do they take away from the enjoyment of a game? But actually, I found it really helpful as a player, but mostly as a GM, because then I can go, right, I know that there are certain areas I cannot go to with my players or they want a certain adventure feel. I need to make sure I hit those beats. Otherwise, they're going to be disengaged and no one's going to enjoy the story at all. I'll be frustrated because they can't get the thing and they'll be frustrated because it's not what they want. A lot of the times, like, it takes literally 10 minutes at the beginning and just making sure that everyone's settled and happy and wants to play as well and also is willing to explore those uh, sort of themes. And it, it's so tricky because for me now, it's very like obvious. But like you said, like if you're 
playing a new system, maybe it's not so obvious as, you know, because I, I will admit, I made the Indiana Jones reference <laughs> there, but like, I've not seen them for many years. I assume there will be, you know, a temple at some point, but, you know, that like, I don't have those touchstones. And if I don't have time to go and do my research or watch a couple of films, then it's always very helpful to have that guidance going, here's the main sort of themes that you need to consider when running a game in this particular setting. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what's character creation like? Are they just building like a group of people and then playing themselves or are they building individual characters in it? Uh, so they're building individual characters. And the idea is that they've got two separate stats. They've got kind of mental stats and physical stats. Mm-hmm. Thinking about a lot of kind of jungle media that, well, I think there's just something really kind of mystical and wonderful about going on an adventure in the jungle. Kind of think mm-hmm. about, yeah, think about Indiana Jones, think about Tarzan, think about uh, the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cartoony influence. I like the idea that you can go out into the jungle, you can get overpowered by something and survive. It's not the end of the adventure, it just carries on in some different format. So with the mental and physical, they've got their different skills in that, uh, but it also kind of forms their health bar in a way. Okay. There's not actually a health bar, they just have stamina. So if you run out of physical stamina, then you're basically unable to move, but you can still kind of think and shout and act if you run out of mental stamina you're unconscious or you've been like hypnotized by a snake or something like that (laughs) again just different ways of playing the game that you're not like okay well you're out now you can still do stuff i'm always a big fan of games that can do that i'm sure you've played the social deduction game of werewolf and if it's one that goes on for several days that if you are killed in the first round well that's kind of it for you like you don't you don't get to influence the game or or say anything you might you know you you can watch but it's a little you know the most interesting part is being in the game deciding who who's going on and you compare that to say like blood on the clock tower where everyone has a little bit of information and even if their character is killed off in the night they have information that they can give out and they can still affect the vote about who should we uh who should we execute today i just think like with what you're saying it's the same thing like it's making sure that everyone can contribute and uh, that was it with the death stuff so the, i just feel like you can still do something it's the heroic almost like disney adventure going oh one last thing you can do and like mm. yeah and you're not just oh well i'm unconscious i roll okay i'm still unconscious you know or i'm still this i'm still paralyzed you know you can mm. still do something and i just think that's so important it, you don't get disengaged from it as well like like mm. like i said before like players are like well, I can't do anything. <laughs> so then, like, you want people to be a part of the story and be able to contribute and be excited for like, oh no, I've been hypnotized by a snake. Oh, but I could do this one thing. I could like grab a bottle and like try and smash my head or, or the snake's head. That's the idea I like. It's not that it's it's game over. It's that there's a complication. So you've been right. sort of overpowered by this um, tribe that defeated you in combat. So you're still alive, but now you've got to escape from them or reason with them in some way. Yeah, I like the idea. It's not game over. It's just continuing in a different way. You know, you always hear stories about like TPKs and people struggling to get through a locked door for two hours and all those all those fun stories. But it then indicates to me that, okay, it's up to the games master or the GM to be like, is this the story we want to tell? Like, it's funny, but it's also like, you know, you get to a point going, oh God, you know, just help them in some way. Like, you know, it, it, the rule of cool it rather than like follow the rules. I've been playing Baldur's Gate recently <laughs> and it's so cruel on the rules of like a difficult terrain and I, like, I can't get anywhere because I keep falling over or I keep going through mud and it's like, oh, it's difficult terrain and stuff. Whereas I'm just like, as a GM, I just want them to get to the story. I want them to do the cool move. Mm-hmm. Any system which empowers the players to do cool things and allows mm. the GM to to support and be a fan of the players. Mm. And so that's a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games are talking about, like, you should be a fan of the players. And I, I completely agree. And I, I, I'm hoping that the shift from, again, 
not all people are like this, but you know, from the previous sort of like it's numbers, we're crunching, you know, we're hitting things, etc., and then we win to like a more of a storytelling system where everyone can get involved, and it doesn't matter if you roll badly, the story moves forward in some way. It's still a cool thing to happen. Well, thank you so much, uh, Nick. I pre- I really much appreciate you chatting to me about games and like I know like it's such an interesting time. Like you're like in the middle of play testing for one, and you've got these all on the go. What's the the future hold for you then? I guess once you've done the play testing, what's the next step for Rogue Octopus Escapes? Oh, let's see. Well, if I can get myself organised quickly enough, I'd really like to have it out on itch.io soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, key kind of considerations I'm looking at is. Um, making the kind of rule book accessible because I guess another element of playtesting we we haven't talked about is GMing. I can run a game of Rogue Octopus Escapes because I I know it through and through. Yeah, but someone else needs to be able to pick up the rule book and do that. So that's the current bit that I'm doing, and I'm currently trying to make it as accessible as possible. So basically, make everything laid out clearly, making sure there's kind of tables and examples. Mm. So yes, if I can do that quickly enough, then I'm hoping to have it out. And then is there any any plans, again, this is just me asking you, you could be like, I have no idea. But <laughs> is there any plans for like, so itch, obviously that's the best place in terms of like getting it out as a PDF and all that sort of thing. But would you say if there's any plans for like future, like would you go to Kickstarter for like a printed version or run it at conventions? Like what's your thoughts about that? Again, do not worry if you're like, I just am working on getting the book out, Fiona. I'm glad you asked because yeah, I have been thinking about that. I would really like to have printed versions ready in time for, again, this is plans. I don't know if it would, yep. if I'll meet those plans for the Games Expo in uh, yeah. in Birmingham for May. At the very mm. least, I'd like to have a playtest session there where you can, yeah, you can rent time to just basically have your game. And if people like it enough, I'd love to kind of have, have it out in printed version, do a Kickstarter, kind of uh, get more scenarios, more kind of printed material, more lore. Yeah, that's that's a dream, really. Yeah, UK Games Expo has a really great playtest zone where, as you rightly said, like you can rent out like a table and stuff, and get and because there's so much foot traffic there, people are always like looking for games, and because they'll come on the game like, oh, we've not booked anything. As we've discussed about almost like the the audience for this particular game, I can easily see people of all kinds, like families, you know, teenagers, young people, are like, oh yeah, we'll try it out, and it'd be nice to get that feedback from a whole range of audiences, and not necessarily like podcasters. I know because you've been asking for playtests from the from the actual play you play for. Like we'll all be like, oh yeah, great, because we'll be very supportive, but like we might not give you the feedback you might need, you know, like my kid doesn't understand it or like uh, this, you know, my granny wants to play an octopus, you know, all that sort of you know, the different varieties of stuff. So it's a really good place. Conventions in general for playtesting stuff. So yeah, I, I highly not recommend that. Like I'm just supporting what you've just said really because it's, it's so true. It's so true. I think it's doable. It's flexible, right? That you, you know, life's going to get in the way. You maybe go, actually, lost in the jungle. I've got a brilliant idea and maybe you need to go focus on that. As yeah, well. yeah, definitely. That's the... Yeah, that's the aim. I just need to create the time for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the general idea is that kind of once I've figured out Rogue Octopus, I'll feel a lot more prepared to kind of return to Lost in the Jungle and yeah, do right by that. Working on two similar but obviously very different projects in both sort of like style, I think it's quite interesting to go actually leave that on the back burner and work on something, finish that and go, I've actually learned quite a lot from doing that. How can I apply that to the other project? this is talking from my own experience from my own work is like when you've got lots of projects on it's very hard to be like sort of judge where you are perhaps i mean i'm I, i'm sure people are very good at multitasking and they're and i'm just not but that idea that you finish probably go okay we learned so much these are the projects 
well, let's make sure these mistakes don't happen in those projects. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I totally get, I totally get that that focus. So it's yeah, it's really good rather than be like, I've got all these ideas and they're all at stage one. Whereas you got, I've got an idea that's at stage three, but this one's at stage five, and we'll finish it at stage seven, and then we'll we'll come back to this, that stage three one. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate you taking the time to touch chat to me, and because I, I feel it's like one of those things. As someone who isn't a game designer, obviously runs a lot of games, I am very aware about how much of the work that gets being put into doing playtesting and, and certainly of your own designs and stuff so i just want to say like kudos like mm. best of luck because i appreciate it it's like you said it's a lot of time and sometimes you know like having the the motivation to do it you're like oh, god as we sort of talked about those challenges both ideas sound really really fun and i'd, I'd definitely be interested in seeing where they go in the, in the future and stuff so yeah let us know uh, the itch link once it's all done and stuff like that, and we'll make sure we put it in the show notes and, and promote it as well because I, I certainly want to play it for sure <laughs> so my final sort of question is uh, where can we find your work Nick is there any place on social media that we can follow to keep on your updates on Rogue Octopus and uh, Lost in the Jungle I am on Twitter X whatever you want to call it as N Munro Turner so N followed by my last name mm-hmm. and I am also on Instagram and threads as Tall Hobbit Adventures and on Blue Sky as Nick Munro Turner we also have a Discord group, the Rogue Octopus Gaming Lab Discord group, and that is where we do our playtests. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's open to absolutely everyone. At the moment, we've got uh, we've poached a few people from Actual Play UK and and other sites, but it is open to to anyone, regardless of gaming experience. Mm-hmm. Any players, any GMs, you're more than welcome to get involved. Have some have some free games and uh, yeah, let me know what you you think of what you're playing. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Nick. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you today and your best of luck. All right. Thanks a lot for you and appreciate it. I'm hoping to do more of these special Q&A bonus episodes in future, including Q&As on the one shots we've run here at What Am I Rolling? If you have a question or think of an RPG designer you'd like to see interviewed on this podcast, just let us know. Our email address is whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Great. See you next time.